Good morning. As we continue on our Off the Map series, uh, living in a time when the landscape we're facing looks completely different than any that we've known, we do so trusting that Jesus will lead us and guide us every step of the way if we look to him for those steps. You might notice behind me, like I said last week, the landscape was a little different in here too. This is a backdrop from our VBS camps, our Flying Junction camps, and it's been a real privilege and a pleasure to see each one of those kids uh, learning about Jesus in different ways. Since we are off the map in this season, uh, since this is where we are, it's more important than ever to know that we're taking our cues from Jesus rather than ourselves as we seek to follow him in this world. And as I lifted up last week, Colossians 3 shows us a whole lot about how it looks to be the Jesus kind in the world. Colossians 3, 12 through 14 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity." In the first two weeks, we talked about joy and thankfulness, so we kind of eased you in a little bit to this scripture. But today we're looking at two things that are going to cost you a little bit more to live as the Jesus kind in this world, kindness and compassion. And of those two, compassion comes first. Compassion is being moved by the situation of another. I see you hurting, and it moves me to act. So we first have to see, to notice, the hurt of the other, which is no small thing in itself. And then we're moved by what we've seen to act. And the action that we take is kindness, simply living out what the Bible scholars have long called Jesus' golden rule from Luke 6.31, do to others as you would have them do to you. So notice, then act. Compassion kindness. And these acts of kindness that we often call service in the church world are the recognizable result of that inner spiritual work in us. Compassion leads to kindness. So I want to start today by celebrating a few ways that I have seen this happening recently. This past Friday, Donna from Project Home stopped by to pick up the very first load of the adopter room supplies that you've been donating to help the homeless families to be equipped to clean and maintain the hotel rooms that they're currently living in. And she was happy to be able to bring those supplies to those families and so happy for all of them since now they've moved out of the one big room that they had been sharing ever since COVID hit. If you can imagine the babies, toddlers, teenagers, and their parents all all sleeping in one big room, now they're all getting a lot better sleep <laughs> in each of their individual rooms. And being equipped with their own cleaning supplies, especially during a pandemic, gives a measure of normalcy and control for their families. It's a little thing, but it makes a really big difference. So you heard their need, and in compassion, it moved you to kindness, to do what you could do to help. And the same is true with our school tools drive. It's exciting to see those things happening. 
And then a few days ago, some of our refuge students went to the Hugo food shelf to serve as well. And for most of them, Hugo was a community much like the ones uh, that they live in themselves. And seeing that reminded them that crisis, job loss, medical bills, the loss of a family provider can change anyone's circumstances overnight. That all of us need help sometimes. So as Jesus people, they asked, if I was the one coming in here, maybe having to ask for help for the very first time ever in my life, what would I want? Respect, shown by a clean, ordered place where I myself wouldn't mind shopping for food. And so they worked to make it so. And at the end of the day, the food shelf told our students that in four hours they were able to accomplish what usually takes them over a week. Our students are amazing. They love to put their faith in action by serving, but they also wanted to know why they do what they do, how it represents the Lord to whom they belong. So afterward, they had a discussion about the story of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples, that Jesus demonstrated what it was to be of the Jesus kind, because in compassion, he came to serve the world. He calls us as his disciples to do the same. Then last Thursday, a small team from church went to serve at East Emmanuel Lutheran in St. Paul. This is in a diverse neighborhood, lacking access to regular food resources in a place that's been heavily impacted by the losses of this year. And every Thursday, the church has been serving meals, donated for the purpose of creating a way for the neighbors, especially kids, to be able to rely on one meal a week and to come together in a fun way. And our team on Thursday was in charge of the inflatable slide, because somebody's got to do it, right? In this time of struggle, infusing a little bit of fun can infuse hope into the heart. As Jesus' people, we ask, if this was my situation, what would I want? Respect, a clean, orderly, safe place where I wouldn't mind coming with my family to share a meal, and a little fun. So they worked to make it so. So why did they do that? Because we worship a God who in his compassion chose to walk in our shoes for our sake, to draw us back to him. And when we follow Jesus off the map, he gives us the ability to see the world through his eyes of compassion and kindness for those in front of us. I'm so proud of our church family for the many ways that you live out your discipleship. It honors Jesus' reputation, his character in the world. And many of our students in these weeks ahead are moving on to college or into the work world, and I'm so proud that they are doing so as the Jesus kind, building Jesus' reputation through their exceptional compassion and kindness. And we've seen Jesus working in them in so many ways through the years, and we pray that wherever they go, they will continue to intentionally put on compassion and kindness, as Colossians instructs, because those things speak Jesus' heart for the world in ways that are often heard and understood far better than our words. The passage from Colossians 3 tells us that the Jesus kind of people, Christians, are meant to have the reputation in the world as being known for people who are kind, forgiving, gracious, thoughtful of others first, compassionate, gentle, and patient. And if that's not how the world sees Christians, that's on us. And I think that the fact that the world often sees Christians as the opposite of those things in the list of Colossians 3 tells us that we have some serious heart-level work to do in knowing and living out of the heart of our master. 
Please don't underestimate the power of compassion, humility, kindness to speak Jesus' love to the world and draw hearts to him. Because when people see those things in us, they see Jesus' heart for them. And please don't underestimate the damage that can be caused to Jesus' reputation in the world when we choose to act in the opposite ways of these things toward others. Because the truth is, as lovely as this Colossians passage sounds, in reality, these things are seriously hard to live out. It takes real strength of character to choose to lay down a focus on the self, to forgive someone who hurt you, to choose humility over arrogance, especially when you know you're right, to choose kindness even to someone who is not being kind to you, to find real compassion for someone who is unlike yourself when it takes humility to try to truly see and understand the hurt of where they are coming from. It's hard. It's hard, this calling. So hard, in fact, sometimes it leads us in our humanities to object, why should I? But only your Savior can answer that question. Because it was in his kindness and compassion for you that Jesus stepped into your shoes that led him to a cross to die for you. See, Jesus' way of changing the world is not the easy way, but it is his way. The way of the Jesus kind is not easy, and if anyone tells you it is, they've never tried it. What is much easier and much more immediately satisfying is just to start a fight with the world and then write it off for not getting it. But that's not what Jesus calls us to do because that does not accomplish the mission that Jesus gave us to make disciples. Because arguments don't change hearts. Being right doesn't change hearts. But outrageously bewildering love shown in unexpected compassion and kindness, humbly, self-sacrificially, freely given for the sake of the other, that changes hearts. That's the way of the Jesus kind. So if you find yourself wanting to fight the world more than you want to pour out Jesus' love on it, if you want to see the world defeated more than you want to see it healed, as your pastor, I need to tell you that is a sign of a spiritual wound. You're bleeding something that needs the healing of Jesus' grace. Now, if that's you, know that this is not at all uncommon. <laughs> There's an awful lot in this world that can wound us and make us want to lash out out of fear or anger, our desire to control something. Sometimes we don't even realize how we got there or why it is that we're hurting. That's not new. It's as old as human beings. Jesus' disciples, James and John, once wanted to call down fire for, on a town of people that they were mad at. But Jesus' response to them, first of all, was no. <laughs> and then a gentle rebuke. You don't know what spirit you're of. Basically, James, John, that's not my way. That's not how the Jesus kind are to engage the world. 
Jesus was only ever harsh with the religious elite who needed some schooling about the role of kindness and compassion in the will of God for the world. Jesus telling them, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. With everyday people, Jesus showed such compassion, such kindness, that it messed with people until they couldn't help but follow him just to find out what he was about. Jesus' way is not the easy way, but it is his, and we are his. So until you can surrender your desire to fight the world into the nail-scarred hands of Jesus, it will mar your witness as his disciple, because kindness is the mark of the Jesus kind. It's servant-hearted love. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. The world will not change until it knows there is a God who came to love it back home to him. And how will they know his compassion, his kindness for them, if they don't see it in you and in me? And yet we humans keep on falling into the trap of wanting to win the most right award over other people instead. And Jesus was constantly correcting his own disciples about that. After heading off a power play by two disciples, Jesus huddled up his disciples for the original come to Jesus meeting in Mark 10, 42. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Servant-hearted love is the way of the Jesus kind. It's not the easy way, but it's his so what does it look like today to choose to represent Jesus in your compassion, your kindness, and your humility? Well, Martin Luther once wrote a whole treatise called The Freedom of a Christian that sums up the calling of a Christian in the secular world with one seemingly contradictory phrase. Luther writes, A Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. A Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, Subject to all. Now, what in the world does that mean? <laughs> well, first of all, it means that our salvation does not depend on us pleasing people in any way, but only in the saving work of Jesus, who out of his selfless love laid down all his earthly and heavenly rights to give us his eternal grace. Our eternal future does not depend on any earthly authority. It is Christ's gift to us alone. So no one of earth, no trouble of earth, can ever take away from us what Jesus has freely given us. And that makes us perfectly free, subject to none. That is the freedom of a Christian. That is who we are. But that's not all we are. Because if we claim this Jesus as our Savior, we know that we have been saved by his kindness and compassion, even when we were undeserving of that gift of grace. And as free subjects of a king like that, we are moved to honor the kindness and compassion of the one who saw and met our need by seeing and meeting the needs of others too, the best that we can. 
Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me, Jesus said. So honoring Jesus, a Christian, lives as servant of all, not out of obligation, but simply out of overflow of love to the one to whom we belong. So if we as Christians are perfectly free of earthly authorities, but subject to all out of love for Jesus, what do we do as the Jesus kind when we are asked to do things in our society that we don't want to do for others, that are uncomfortable or inconvenient or that we might not agree are actually necessary, but others feel are important for them to feel cared for? Luther and Freedom of a Christian actually answered that question 500 years ago with Scripture, with the passage of Jesus' action when it came to paying the temple tax in Matthew 17. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon, he asked. From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes, from their own children or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake and throw out your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Now, it's clear from this exchange that as God's son, Jesus shouldn't have to follow this law. He's exempt. But does he defy the earthly law to assert that right? No, he does not. That's not the choice Jesus makes. Instead, Jesus chooses to lay down his right in order to show respect and honor to others. Jesus' answer to Peter is, pay it, do it. (laughs) Not out of requirement, but out of love, so we don't cause offense. Because showing honor and love is more important than being right. And if Jesus chooses as the Son of God to respect the earthly authorities by his action in this way, why wouldn't we? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to God what is God's. And as Paul says to the church in Romans 12, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. Now, there are times when Jesus did oppose the rules of society, where his actions did not come off as kind to everyone. But if you look at those occasions, you'll see every time Jesus made that choice, it was always out of compassion and kindness, in service to the vulnerable, to meet the need of those who needed him to see and respond with his help. Because that is Jesus' way. Philippians 2 instructs the church in how we're to live this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And then in verse 14, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, 
children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. It's okay to be angry, hurt, frustrated with things that are happening in this world. That's just human. And God loves human beings. He understands. But if you have been acting, speaking, responding to the world more in anger and self-righteousness than in servant-hearted love, kindness, and compassion, it's time to check your heart at the foot of the cross of Jesus. If you find yourself wanting to fight the world more than to meet it with servant love in Jesus' name, it's time to take a step back and examine how your words and actions are affecting the reputation of Jesus for a world that desperately needs to know him. Jesus' way is not the easy way, but it's his, and so are we. And so his way must be our way as well. Now, strangely, I recognize that some of you might feel a little bruised today from my sermon about kindness, (laughs) and I'm sorry about that. But because he loved them, Jesus redirected his disciples to better represent his kingdom. And as your pastor, that's my responsibility as well. Because I believe the state of our hearts and engaging the world in this time and history is deeply spiritually important too important not to remind us whose we are because Jesus' reputation is worth it. Out of his compassion and kindness, Jesus chose to meet us in our need, and he still does. He's still here with us. And like those first disciples, still he calls us, follow me. So today, show the world that Jesus is the way to a kingdom that they want to be part of. One where kindness is the mark of the Jesus kind. Because right now in this broken world, there is no shortage of ways to let his compassion lead you into the witness of kindness. And many of those opportunities are through this church, and I'm sure there are also many that are closer to home for you. So what is the Lord calling you to today? Don't go the easy route of picking a fight with the world. Instead, follow Jesus on the hard road of loving it. It's not the easy way, but it's his. And so are you. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you meet us in your compassion and your kindness because we confess in this time when so many hearts, so many situations are so full of stress and fear and uncertainty. Lord, we confess that sometimes it brings out the worst of our humanity. But Lord, we pray that you would redirect us by your grace. That you would remind us of the spirit that we are of. By your Holy Spirit, we pray that you would convict us, Lord, where we need to be convicted. That you would forgive us where we need to be forgiven. That you would encourage us where we need to be encouraged. That you would empower us where we need to be empowered. And most of all, Lord, we pray that you would give us your grace so we can be vessels of your grace for a world that needs your church to shine your heart now more than ever. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.